This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Think Future. My name is Chris Calabucas, and once again, you're coming at you live from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We're talking innovation startups, the future, not necessarily those, and not necessarily in that order. If you're watching on YouTube, smack that subscribe button and hit that bell so you'll be notified when a new show comes online. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast service, please subscribe and please drop a note on Apple Podcasts. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, if you are living in a major metropolitan area like I am, Silicon Valley, You'll probably find that there's this huge, weird thing going on, this disparity going on, where you have people having a really, really tough time finding a place to live, right? And they, they, they're sharing houses, they're sharing apartments, they're, they're living in half a living room or something like that. They are can't find a place at all so they're renting RVs from people who rent RVs and there's RVs littering if you go to Palo Alto and some of these really Tony neighborhoods around here there's RVs littering the place they're everywhere RVs everywhere there was even one on our street but that's gone so we've got no RVs in our area but almost everywhere you go whenever there's a dentist street or it's an industrial street or whatever when there's no people to complain about it there's RVs and these RVs believe it or not, are not full of people who are homeless, but they're full of people who actually work. Many of the people who are living in these RVs are workers. They work at tech companies. They make, they make money. They can afford things. They just can't afford a place to live. Can't afford a place to live. So they have to take these other options. They got to do these other things. So driving through Silicon Valley, you see RVs everywhere. You see people living packed into these apartments. You see companies that are rolling out $800 a month for a bed, a bunk bed in a co-living space. And then you turn to your left or your right and you see an enormous skyscraper of offices empty, completely empty. Sometimes they're completely empty. Sometimes they're partially empty sometimes they're mostly empty in fact most of the time they're mostly empty so we have an interesting situation here right we have all of this corporate space that has been zoned corporate and then we have all of this demand for people to actually live in something that's a little more stable than an rv on the side of the road once again like i was saying in last episode You've got the wall in between. This is residential. This is commercial. 
we can't have people living in these high-rise commercial properties why not why not why can't we look at converting some of these buildings into residential properties and it's like oh no no first of all we have to rezone it so it's residential I'm like okay what exactly is zoning zoning is someone somewhere in some government saying this area is gonna be like this this area is gonna be like that some human being is basically or has stood in the way of this building this commercial building becoming a residential building because of a piece of paper that was created it could have been created years ago but because this piece of paper was created years ago and had been enshrined into something people are saying you cannot turn this into that so can we tear this piece of paper up can we do something about the zoning laws so that we can and then and these other excuses are like oh well that was built on land that people can't live on for a certain period of time because it's got toxic waste underneath it i'm like excuse me you're saying that you build uh, built an office building on a toxic waste dump because people are only going to be in the office eight hours a day so that's okay for them to be in the office eight hours a day sitting on top of this toxic waste dump but it's not okay for them to be in the office 16 hours a day because that's how long people live in their homes is that what you're telling me or maybe that's not an excuse at all maybe there's nothing wrong with the place that the office was built on maybe there's nothing toxically wrong with the office space the only difference is that you've got a floor of a building and in this floor of a building you could have offices you could have conference rooms you could have cubes right and then you have maybe one bathroom for the building one bat one male one female maybe all gender who knows you have one bathroom per floor and then you have a kitchen area. So the kitchen area probably doesn't have an oven. It probably doesn't have dishwasher. It probably doesn't have a full kitchen. But you could conceivably, and this is, and this is the thing that, that, that sort of drives me crazy, is that you could conceivably, there are ways of adding additional, it's like even without adding additional space, you could conceivably say, if we wanted people to live in these spaces, what is the minimum amount of work that we would need to do to sort of separate this thing into spaces that would work as places for people to live to sleep and you're probably going to say well there's not enough kitchen space there's not enough bathroom space okay let's assume that there's not enough of those spaces but for how many if you could have an entire floor a packed floor of people working for eight hours a day in a space where there's a kitchen and a bathroom how many people could you have on that floor for twice the amount of time overnight I don't know let me just let me just do some quick scratches on my notepad here oh yeah so let's say there were 300 people on that floor and they were there for eight hours right so let's have 150 people on the floor for 16 hours so let's make this floor enough housing for 160 people. And I'm not saying give it to them for free. I'm saying charge them rent for it. Take this space, take a floor or two as an experiment and turn it into space. Maybe take that kitchen and renovate it into a shared 
kitchen experience, right? Where there's places to dine. There's places to make food. Maybe there's multiple sets of ovens. Maybe there's multiple refrigerators. Maybe we have people sharing refrigerators. But expand the kitchen space, right? And then the bathroom space, maybe you don't need to expand the bathroom space. If you do, maybe maybe you expand the bathroom space. But you see what I'm saying? Is that instead of going all out and spending tons and tons of money to turn them into all little individual places to live, at least give them something. And I've talked about this before. What is the minimum viable domicile? What is the minimum amount of space human beings need to live in? And if you've ever lived in a dorm, you guys know that you can live in a place kind of like I was saying about those co-working, co-living spaces. You have co-living spaces where you get a bunk bed and you get a shared kitchen and you get a shared bathroom. What's the difference between having a small space on an office floor and a shared kitchen and a shared bathroom? What's the real difference? You need a place. Each individual in these rooms needs a place to be a living room and a bedroom that's it they get a living room and a bedroom living room and a bedroom and then there's a shared kitchen there's a shared bathroom there's shared showers all of that stuff is shared and you don't have to charge a lot of money for it you charge them a reasonable amount of money so 150 people per floor 150 living spaces on each floor and you give them a living room and a bedroom and in the living room, you have space for a TV, you have space for a place to sit and eat, and if you have, and you may have a place for storage. Is it really that difficult? I mean, if I can imagine it, almost anybody else can imagine it. And like I said, the thing that's holding us back is these wall of policies. This wall of policy between what we can think about what we can do to what we can actually do. I mean... This is even better than those pods. Have you heard about these tubes? They're thinking about taking the space in between skyscrapers in Hong Kong and shoving in these long tubes. And each tube has a bathroom and a kitchen at one end, then it has a living room and a bedroom. In this tube, it's an actual tube. They're placing these tubes in between the buildings because they got no room for anything else. We have a lot of space here in America. We have so much space, and a lot of it is already temperature controlled. It's already fairly clean. It's already ready to go. Just partition it off, give people two rooms, shared bathroom, shared kitchen, Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi, why not? And then see how we can actually attack this housing problem and do something good with it. I don't see what's holding us back other than ourselves. That's it for me for today. See you next time. And until then, don't forget to think future. future.